The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, commuter connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These, starring in this episode, my very special friend like this, Rick Wilson. This episode is actually kind of an example of self-care in action. I have been under the weather. Um, a, uh, I don't know quite how to describe it without being sort of gross. So I'll just say, like, I've been sick. I have been sick. And I knew I needed to have someone on the show that would make me laugh and that I could trust to just carry the show even if I said not another word. And that is, of course, everybody's favorite Republican to love or loathe. Rick Wilson, former practitioner of the dark arts, Trump hater extraordinaire, and my very good friend. He's coming right up. So, Rick, my friend, it has been a while since we talked. It has been a minute. I mean, fortunately, nothing's happened, so we can probably just catch up on our pets, right? Like how yeah, you know. All right, you know. Um, yeah. Are any of them dressing for Halloween, or are you like against animal cruelty? No, I think I'm going to put the uh, the rescue uh, Dobby, the the tiny rescue dog, in some sort of uh, uh, Hawaiian shirt or something. But other, the other dogs reject the idea of dressing up. Well, they're working dogs, right? I mean, well, not they working. are working dogs. Yeah. Although Kitty, Kitty has a raincoat. I mean, oh, put the well, raincoat on Kitty. I highly encourage you to post those things. And now we should probably <laughs> stop kidding around. And because, oh, Rick, I don't know. Now, impeachment. It's a thing that it's happens. A, it's a thing. Now, I. What's funny is it's been so long since we talked. I don't even think we—I think the last time we talked was before the, the whistleblower happened. It was before the whistleblower. And and I had, I had moved my position on impeachment. I still don't believe there's a valid path to removal mm-hmm. in the Senate. I just—and I'll tell you about the conditions— uh, will be whether it works or not in a minute. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think especially with the Ukraine situation, um, he has demonstrated something that is a direct uh, and, you know, black letter, bright line test deserving of impeachment. So here we are. Oh, wow. Like you really have burned your Republican card, haven't you? You know, uh, I, the, at, this, at this point, there is no Republican Party. There's just Donald Trump's hangers-on mm-hmm. um, flying a flag of convenience mm-hmm. and 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 praying against the apocalypse. <laughs> it's so strange. Like, I, I, it's amazing how much has changed, right? Um, I, 
I've been saying for a long time, one of the most edifying books that I've read having to do with the Trump era was actually a book about the Nixon era written by Mary McCarthy, um, famous for her novel, The Group. But she was also a really interesting columnist. And she has a book that's a collection of her columns from going to the Watergate hearings. And what's fascinating about that is that it was written in real time. Mm -hmm. And what you see is that, of course, Watergate was not, you know, a set outcome. Like, impeachment wasn't even on the horizon for a long time, like, at the hearings. And her personal, like, desire to kind of figure—and also, it was much more confusing than it seems looking back. You know, what the—how exactly the whole plan worked and what Nixon Mm -hmm. was doing. Mm -hmm. It was all—it was—people were, like, putting together chalkboards like Glenn Beck to figure out what was going on. And she was worried that he would just get away with it. And then— John Dean happened and the tapes happened and everything right. changed. And I've been thinking of the whistleblower as in the same category. Like, do you think that's that's a good analog? I, I do think it is. And it, it's also been it's also been a, an artifact of our modern media environment where, you know, back then you had two big newspapers covering this and three television networks. And even for the first year. Watergate was essentially something that a few nerds were looking at. It wasn't mm-hmm. it hadn't consumed the nation. And to our great dismay, Donald Trump has one of what I call a brittle superpower. Hmm. And that brittle superpower is that no matter what he points at, the media will pay attention to it. Yeah. Well, in this case, he came right out and said, "Yeah, I did it." He admitted to the act. Everything else is just details. Hmm. And 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 much like Watergate, you know, the, the thing to remember about Watergate is in, you know, the first part of 74, Republicans' attitude of this was, oh, it's a witch hunt. They're lying. It's the liberal media trying to take out an elected president. They couldn't beat us at the ballot box. Therefore, they're trying to do this illegal coup. Sound familiar? Mm. Well, you know, I think we're seeing that, you know, history doesn't just, you know, rhyme. It repeats. And, and with a lot of the things that have been happening— Donald Trump isn't making his case any better. Um, they're not doing anything that that is that is that is unfucking the situation for him. And uh, you know he is not as strong as he looks on paper. Mm. And legally speaking, I mean that Pat Cipollin letter from a couple of weeks ago was was essentially like the, the sticking their chest out and saying let's fight. I was well, going to use another part of the anatomy there. But. Mm, yes, I, I <laughs> you know, I get reprimanded all the time on that front. So, but like I said, it, it was definitely, it was definitely um, one of these things that, uh, one of these things that, that, uh, you know, he looks stronger on paper and people think he has these, has these, you know, unbelievable powers, but they're brittle and they're not as, they're not as strong mm-hmm. as people think or as he thinks. And, you know, they're re- we're, it's being revealed more and more by people coming out and testifying. Yeah. You know, it's funny. First of all, I mean, I think we could probably spend the whole show on the comparison between Nixon and Trump, right? Like, people have done that before. but I And I don't want to do that for the whole show, but I will point out that Nixon was really popular, too, especially with Republicans. And yeah. that was the thinking for a lot of Republicans at the time was that, well, we can't not support this incredibly popular president. And then— Things on the ground 
changed, right? They were overcome by events, one of my favorite news terms. Oh, yes. Um, but I also wanted to say something where I, I'm going to admit I was wrong about something. Okay. Which is, I, I think we've talked about this, actually. Like, I used to really be critical of the coverage of the White House that was, like, kind of all about the power plays and the internecine dynamics there. Mm-hmm. Guess what? <laughs> that turns out to be the thing that he's getting impeached over, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not his taxes. It's not, like, the other rampant corruption in the government. It's not emoluments. It's none of the things that, like, beat reporters have turned up, although beat reporters have turned up a lot. Sure. It's, it's his it's he's being undone by his fucking insecurity and the ineptitude of his staff. Like, right. To, to make one more uh, Nixon reference. Well, maybe there would be a few more is the Watergate quote that has been echoing in my mind. You have to understand these were some not very bright guys <laughs> right. over their head. We have we have an interesting comparison with Watergate because Richard Nixon's staff actually included some fairly intelligent people um, and people who didn't live every minute of their lives wondering what the fuck Nixon was going to do next. They didn't wake up every morning thinking, oh, my God, he's going to tweet us into nuclear war or he's going to walk around buck naked on the White House lawn. And and because of that, you know, Nixon's guys had, had the ability to actually scheme. They had the ability to plot and plan and engage in all kinds of of trickery. Well, you know, Trump's crew, these guys are a clown show. He has <laughs> eliminated even the vaguely qualified from around him and and turned this into the, you know, the 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 Trump worship crowd um inside the White House and those guys absolutely are not competent or capable or brilliant. Um, or able to scheme. Like I said, the Sipling memo a few weeks ago looked like it was this big, you know, legal fuck you, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was weakness. He doesn't have good lawyers. He doesn't have good advisors. His, he doesn't have good PR or press people. He doesn't have good White House counsel. I mean, Mick Mulvaney was in South Carolina hanging out when he heard about the Baghdad rate or the Baghdadi rate. Yeah. His chief of staff <laughs> is an afterthought. And this mm-hmm. is a man – Donald Trump is not a man who's notoriously a good manager. Mm-hmm. He needs a supervisor. He needs staff. He needs help. But the, it's and just the comedy of errors here. Like Giuliani butt-dialing a reporter, although people pointed out we don't know if it was butt-dialing. It seems hard to unlock an iPhone with your butt. Um, reporters and like seemingly confessing to crimes, you know? I mean yeah. – it's yeah. just, it's wild, like how all the, just All the criming going on. <laughs> this is. Yeah, like there's just, I, I've, I've said like, you know, the Nixon administration is like the Lucy and Ethel at the chocolate factory for crimes. Like the crimes <laughs> just keep coming, you know, and you just have to stuff the chocolate in your mouth to keep up. Right, like, right. It's almost impossible. Again, like I sort of made reference to all the other corruption and there is, you know, in Homeland Security, in immigration and in recording, you know, the, the how they're treating the environment, how they're undoing regulations. There's just payday lenders being able to call up the White House and ask for favors. There's all this other corruption. <laughs> and yet he's being undone by like his his paranoia and his insecurity, sure. which and and. This is a weak man. Mm-hmm. This is a weak, weak, pathetic man. He doesn't trust people, not because he thinks he's a genius. 
but because he he doesn't want anyone else to know that he's not. Oh, and I think there's another piece to there, which is he doesn't trust anyone because also I don't think he believes that anyone actually likes him. Well, no one does. Well, I know, but like he, I think he has this this fundamental belief, which one of his few fundamental beliefs that happens to be correct, which is that he is unlovable. And, you know, did you see the passing reference he made to Melania when he was talking about Steve Scalise's wife recently? Yes, mine wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> he was, for those who didn't see it, he was talking about how Steve Scalise's wife was in mm-hmm. tears after yep. her husband got shot, which most people would consider a fairly normal reaction to one's husband or loved one getting shot. And he said, not many women would do that. I know Melania wouldn't. Right. Mm. You know, and what he's thinking to himself is, you know, in the next prenup for wife number six or wife number five, whatever, whatever it is in this chain, for the next prenup, I'll have to add that in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to kind of almost wrap up about impeachment because I think that I do have some non-impeachment related questions for you, including a quiz coming up. Oh, a quiz. I love a good quiz. Uh, but do you have, would you want to add anything about impeachment? Um, I would say you say, I know you think it's, he's not going to actually be impeached. I would say we just don't know. Like this is, there is a definite kind of like undoing of, you know, the leak in the dam grows stronger and stronger every day. Who knows when it's just going to completely give out. But I know it looks right now like he's not actually going to be impeached. Well, look, I, I, and I've said this before, and I mentioned this in the front end. I will tell you what I think the the hard cut would be for impeachment. Mm-hmm. That is the day Mitch McConnell wakes up and gets his pollsters in the room, and they say, we are going to lose our majority in the Senate yeah. unless you cut Donald Trump loose. This is a not impossible scenario. Um, because right now we are seeing a lot of fairly weak performances on fundraising, uh, a lot of weak performances on on head-to-head polling, and a lot of weak performances of Trump's job approval in some of the key states. If Mitch McConnell feels like that he is not going to keep power, he will cut Donald Trump loose so fast it will make your head spin, because he is absolutely about nothing else except maintaining the power in the Senate. Mitch McConnell would take Nancy Pelosi sitting in the White House before he will lose the Senate. <laughs> he will burn down anyone and anything before he loses that majority. Yeah, I I actually think you're right. And I, I think what might happen, what looks like what might happen again, who could have predicted the whistleblower? So, you know, I won't, I won't try and make a specific prediction, but it looks like right now there's some um, – you know, consternation among Republicans in the Senate that they're having to backfill on his lies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that very much, that is very much an issue with them right now. Right. They are, they are, look, the political cost of opposing Trump, okay, for a long time was much higher than the political cost of, of supporting him. <clears throat> And now that's getting a lot closer to even mm-hmm. and and getting a lot closer to to parity. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more and more obvious to Republican senators that he's going to lie to them. Yeah. And therefore, they're expected to go out and lie to everybody else. And that lie, you know, Trump may be able to roll those things off of him and, and may be able to ignore those things. Um, but... But the average member is not. Right. 
And you know what? This reminds me of the title of a book somehow. Um, uh, <laughs> scratching, literally scratching my head. Mm. Was some, it Everything Trump Touches Dies, the New yes. York Times number one bestseller? Yes, that's it. Because <laughs> you and I, even before you wrote the book, we would talk like he fucks over everyone he does business Everybody. with. Everybody. Everyone he does business with. How did any Republican think that they were going to be the exception? You know, like they, yeah, he's not going to, he's not going to communicate with them. He's just going to lie for his own personal, you know, edification or gain or whatever it is he thinks he's Mm -hmm. lying for. We, by the way, our, our quiz has to do with his, his pointless lies, like the lies he just seems to tell for no, for no fucking reason. I'm using a lot of fucking today. Um, I'm kind of sick, so I'm having to fill in my vocabulary. My kind of day. But the thing I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that's not necessarily impeachment related has to do with a tweet from a few, like a week or two ago, where someone said something about how I'm always fearful of people who tout traditional values, whose tradition, whose values. And you responded intriguingly. I used to poke around this question during focus groups and always discovered it led somewhere pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this is actually sort of related to impeachment. It has to do with why people are so fanatically loyal to Trump. Right. But you tell me what, you're, what, what you were talking about there. Look, there are a lot of Americans and a lot of Republicans who use the phrase traditional values or family values or traditional America to mean straight, white, Mm. 1850, not 1950. Um, And they have trouble even admitting it to themselves. But once they start feeling empowered to talk about it, as Trump empowered them to sort of engage on it, um, it it becomes much darker and and they admit things that you know that this idea that the world is changing around them is very painful for them and they don't like it and and they they were looking for somebody and not all of them okay not everybody but a lot of those people you know they they had a nod and a wink and it's like oh well at least Trump's going to take care of you know the brown people who are threatening our jobs and our lives and our culture and everything else so that and that question of culture has been a uh, a sort of a code word amongst the alt right types and amongst the racially you know racially motivated types that you know they're not talking about about uh, anything except race when they say culture, mm. and they're not talking about anything except sexuality when they say you know when they say traditional values, um, and all those things are sort of subsumed into this sort of. What's the word I'm looking for? Well, I call, sometimes call them cultural evangelicals, which is to say they're people who might call themselves evangelicals, but it's not about church. It's about this set of identity, this set. Of sure. Yeah, I think that, I think values. that's I think that's pretty good, yeah. and I think also it's um, you know it's it, the, right right wing folks often use the phrase cultural Marxism, which mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. It's it's a it's literally a, a, a just a pair of words jammed together yeah, with no yeah. no actual there's no actual thing as cultural Marxism, but you know there is a sort of cultural evangelical thing where it's and they've shown it to us kind of clearly. It's really not about God. Mm-hmm. It's really not about faith. It's about achieving a set of social outcomes 
that they're looking for, and, and they can't achieve it in the society itself. They can't achieve it in the culture itself. And and that's why, you know, they 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 fetishize judges. And that's why Trump has a great power with them over that particular uh, aspect of it. So I'm curious, though, when you were doing these focus groups and poking around on this and discovering it led somewhere dark, this was pre-Trump, right? It was it was in the growing window. And I'm going to say I started noticing this a lot. In the, I'm going to say in the post 2012 moment, mm. and it wasn't just about Obama. There was some of it that was about Obama, but it, but it wasn't. But I'm not going to say it, it wasn't. I'm not going to say that was the major causative moment there. But it's this rising tide that also plays into the fact that conservatives have been told, um, "You are a minority. You are you are the ones who are suffering." It's African American children who have all the power in society. You guys are the ones who are truly oppressed, um, you know. And this whole uh, culture of of grievance that Fox and talk radio and Breitbart and all these other you know online you know Trump right media outlets push all the time, and it's and it's why. You know, conservatism used to inform the Republican Party. Trumpism is informed by owning the libs and and being able to say the things you hate in public mm-hmm. and by and by this sort of oppositional defiant disorder uh, in as as a uh, and to put as, more a, plainly, as a governing style racism. I mean, that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what, what is interesting to me is that you were seeing this while you were still calling yourself a Republican. Did you yeah, start but it's, to have and any, I will say this. I will like, say this. Were you kind of like it never? It, uh, it was. Look, go ahead. It go was. Ahead. It was, and I wrote about this in the first book. All right. It was something that never got catalyzed enough to be a majority mm. until Trump, and that moment. That moment, and it was never going to quite get there. Because I will say this: that that is the newsworthy hook, but there are um. You know, two thirds of the people or more, you know, are fundamentally decent. They're not. They're not in this negative tribal um, space in the same way that the folks that responded to Trumpism are. Mm. And, and while there's, look, I'm just going to say, <laughs> I, I'm just going to say, it was not. It was not to the point where I I was going to pull the eject handle. Right. Although it did concern me, like I said, and I wrote about it in the book. Okay, that you know the the crazy uncle problem, and it, it you can really define like the the like the moment of it as sort of post Palin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, remember, you know, you go back uh, to the to George Herbert Walker Bush, and he dispatched guys like me down to to Louisiana to beat David Duke's ass politically, and we did. I can't, and and that was when Lee was still alive. And so mm-hmm. I, it's hard to imagine that today because this this idea that the culture has isolated conservatives so much and that any compromise to get to those – to keep those people, okay, to keep those guys, keep those crazy race-driven race, race guys in the party, you'll do anything and say anything and accept anything. That's just – that's, I think, where, where the culture is really broken and that's a, a much newer mm-hmm. uh, impact. We're going to have to talk more about this at some later date. I would actually say something 
to clarify my position, which is that I I I think the real problem in America and with Trumpism is that there are plenty of so-called fundamentally decent people who are also caught up in white supremacy. I won't even say that's something they believe in. It's more that it's a it's a habit, it's a way of thinking that it is impossible for them to see the water they're swimming in, you know? And I have these people in my family, I'm sure you do too, which is to say they are not racist with a capital R with hate in their hearts, but they just live in a world, they live in a period in their mind where to question, you know, the centrality of whiteness, the centrality of, of, of maleness, what all of those things, it's just unthinkable. And so anything that um, supports that worldview is going to be something they gravitate to. And I think that's why a lot of, and when I say these people are fundamentally decent, I, I think what I mean is that they would help anyone in their path, right? Like, they would be kind to anyone that they meet. But they're still like, you know, I mean, in some ways, what I'd say is they're still just white Americans, and which this fundamental decency paired with an inability to break out of white supremacy is kind of the defining quality of us. Anyway. I, I think that I think the Trump era problem, and we, we can move after this. I think the Trump era problem, in part, is that let's remember this is a guy <clears throat> in the 2016 election who took two and a half weeks to denounce David Duke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh, totally. I, and I got to tell you, there's not a single other Republican that was in that field. That wouldn't have you could you could wake any of these people up out of a sound sleep. Okay, and go hey David Duke endorsement. They'd be like fuck you. No. Okay, we're gonna have to table this. We're gonna have to table this because all I'm gonna say is like David Duke is fucking easy pickings. Okay, like I would hope that that would be true of everyone, but that doesn't that makes you fundamentally decent. That doesn't make you not someone who thinks in the framework of white supremacy. And I get, I'm the host of the show, so I get to say we're taking a break now. We're taking a break now. We'll be right back with a quiz for Rick. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and more. So whether you're returning to a longtime passion project, challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. And I just, you know, went over to the Skillshare site today to see what was up, to see what new things might be available. And oh my God, Roxanne Gay is teaching a class on creative writing, crafting personal essays with impact. If you don't know who Roxanne Gay is, I'm I'm very I'm happy for you in that you get to discover her because she's amazing. She's um, written several books. Uh, she's taken amazingly awesome stands. She gave back her advance to Random House when Random House was going to publish alt-right fanboy Milo Yiannopoulos's book. That is putting your money where your mouth is, a stand most people don't dare to take, especially when it comes with that 
expense. I'd like to think that those values will show up in her class somehow. I don't know exactly how. I am tempted to take her class. This has been basically me standing for Roxanne Gay as well as Skillshare. You should check out Skillshare. Maybe there's someone you really admire teaching a class. There are millions of students already learning on Skillshare today. And I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering with friends like these listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash friends. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash friends to start your free two months now. Skillshare.com slash friends. If you've been listening to this show on a regular basis for Almost any amount of time, you've heard me talk about FrameBridge. They make it super easy and affordable to frame your favorite things, from kids' art and concert posters to vacation photos sitting on your phone. Here is how it works. Go to FrameBridge.com, upload your photo, or they'll send you a package so you can mail in your photo or whatever it is. Like, I've actually used the mail-in thing a few times. You can preview your item online in any frame style. You choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The expert team at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. And my listeners will get 15% off your first order at FrameBridge.com when you use my offer code, the usual Friends. Not the usual friends, but the offer code is as usual, the word friends. I love using FrameBridge for for kind of random things. Like I've also used it for Christmas presents and birthday presents and whatnot, and a Father's Day present as well. But also my best friend and I went on a little girls trip last month and we took photos, of course. And I sent her a care package afterwards that was a picture of us from that trip framed and then like like little souvenirs that I that I picked up. And it was just fun to give her stuff to remember this great trip. And again, like you can post your photos to Instagram and it's great and people comment on them and that's fun. But do you really remember the occasion if all you did was take an Instagram photo? I don't think so. It's nice to have like a physical thing. So again, holidays around the corner, or you can just do it for no reason. Frame the things you love in time for guests to see them. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code FRIENDS to save an additional 15% off your order. That's framebridge.com, offer code FRIENDS. What do Jamie Lee Curtis, Tig Notaro, Victoria Beckham, and Reza Aslan all have in common? They are guests this season on the all-new podcast from Limonada Media, As Me with Sinead. Now, there's another very famous Sinead you might be thinking of. This is not her, but super interesting show. Host Sinead Burke helps us understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. She talks to them about what it's like to be them. I I never knew that I had things in common with a Spice Girl, besides a husband with tattoos, I guess. Or I shared imposter syndrome with Riz Ahmad. Every chat is fascinating. Subscribe now to As Me with Sinead wherever you get your podcasts. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. 
Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, this is going to be fun, I think. Ready? Okay. All right, I'm ready. All right, so this is our game today. The president this week staged a photo of himself. We believe probably staged a photo of himself in the Situation Room and behind a a pile of unconnected wires, it looks like, uh, to make it appear as though he was like on the case when a Mm -hmm. terrorist um, was killed. That's the kind of lie that sort of makes sense. And he tells a lot of other lies that make sense, right? In the sense that they are helping him accomplish some goal, even if it's only feeding his ego. Um, We have put together some lies, uh, some examples of his lies that for us here at the show don't, they're just pointless. Like, why would you say that? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you two lies. And one of them is something President Trump said. And one of them is a quote from a famous liar in popular culture. (laughs) You can just, you don't have to identify the famous liar. You just have to identify which one is uh, the Trump quote. We're going to start off with a little, you know, one with training wheels for you here. All right. Looked at a map and declared, well, this blue part, that's, of course, land. Or drew on a map to indicate a fanciful direction of a hurricane. The latter is the Trump lie. <laughs> the first one is from Buster Bluth on Arrested Development. Um, I'm a huge fan. Yes. You might notice that as we go through these lies. Okay. Buster, the guy who thought that the blue on the map was land? He's had business classes. Wait, 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 wait. 18th century agrarian business, but, but I guess it's all the same principles. Next one. Lied three times in one day about the price of his suit, increasing the value each time. Lied about the number of floors in a building. Lied about the number of floors in the building is the Trump lie. He frequently has things. He says it's a 90-story building when it's 78 and there's a gap of you know 15 or 20 stories. Mm-hmm. The lie that's from popular culture is Job from Arrested Development. Correct. Yep. Worst that can happen is I can spill, spill some on my $3,000 suit. Come on. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, the guy in the, the $4,000 suit is holding the elevator, but the guy doesn't make that in three months. Come on! Oh, why don't I just take a whiz through this $5,000 suit? Come on! And here's a very on-topic one. Claimed not to know who David Duke was, but appreciated when Duke was running for president, he promised to lower taxes. Um, the second is Arrested Development. The first is Trump. The second's actually Parks and Recreation, another awesome show. Oh, is it show. Parks and Rec? Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. sorry. But we're, we're not taking off for not getting the second part. Okay. This is a bonus if you get those. I'm just getting Yes, okay. All right. Claimed to love reading the Bible, against all evidence. Claimed to love reading all kinds of books, against all evidence. Um, the first is absolutely Trump who has said many times the Bible is his favorite book, except for Art of the Deal. Um, but aside from uh, Dos Corinthianos, he doesn't have any biblical knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what one or two of your most favored Bible uh, verses are well, and why. I, I wouldn't want to get into it because to me that's very personal. You know, when I talk about the Bible, it's very personal. So I don't want to get into there's verses. No, there's I don't no want to get into a, There's no, no verse I, that I, means I a lot to you that you think about or cite. The, the Bible means a lot to me, but I don't want to get into specifics. The second one is we went, we went to the classics. The second one is Jay Gatsby from The Great yes. Gatsby. 
Yes. He talks at length about his love of literature, but all the books mm-hmm. in his house are cut. They are only for display. Okay. Mm-hmm. Claimed that a children's group called to tell him he had given the best speech ever, or claimed that the last person to steal from him went missing. Best speech ever is Trump. Mm-hmm. And I, the other one's on the tip of my tongue, but I don't have it. That is the office's Creed Bratton. Ah. Yes. Nobody steals from Creed Bratton and gets away with it. The last person to do this disappeared. His name? Creed Bratton. Creed of Creed's thoughts. One of, one of the underappreciated office characters, I feel. All right. Next one. Insisted he was a maritime law specialist or insisted he knew more about the Constitution than any of you? The um, knowing about the Constitution more than any of you was Trump. Mm-hmm. And uh, deep cut on I, the other one. I, I, I got nothing. Michael Bluth on Arrested Development, who uh, pretended to know maritime law to seduce a blind woman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good it's a, right. it's a good episode. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to try to do all arrested, to be honest, but couldn't quite make it work. But there was some more good ones. Hold on. I would love to hear Donald Trump say there's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> He probably believes that. He um, probably does. Okay. Insisted that you cannot charge a wife with the husband's crimes. Insisted that you cannot charge an employer with his employee's crimes. Ooh. Mm. You know what? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter being Trump. Mm-hmm. And the first one is from arrested George Sr., who yep. erroneously believed that double jeopardy law applies to married couples. They cannot arrest a husband and wife for the same crime. He also committed some light treason. Yeah. <laughs> that quote was floating around a long time before we got the Ukraine uh-huh. stuff. But uh, now there's, we're into the heavy treason. That's, that's the thing. Okay. Lied about what country his father was born in, or lied about his father's occupation, claiming he was a neurosurgeon. Uh, Trump lied that he said his father was from Germany. Mm-hmm. The second one is Max from the film Rushmore. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, I, I, it's a great movie. Again, like we're doing some deep cuts here. Um, I now feel like I want to go watch that again. One of the best soundtracks ever. Uh, it's movie. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Claimed to have gotten a number of awards from Army. Claimed to have gotten a huge pay raise for the troops. Um, Donald Trump did claim to get a huge pay raise for the troops. Mm-hmm. And Buster Bluth claimed to have gotten awards from mm-hmm. Army. because, And then Army had half a day. Buster, thank God you're back. There's no shame in being a coward. A coward? I'm not a coward. Would a coward have this? What the hell is that? These are my words, mother. From army. The seal is for marksmanship. And the gorilla is for sand racing. Claimed that a typo was a secret message. Or claimed it's not a lie if you believe it. It's not a lie if you believe it is, of course, from Seinfeld. Yes, yes. So the first answer is the Trump answer. He still insists Kofefe was somehow understood by the people who needed to understand it. So Exactly. And um, believe that you can shout, I declare bankruptcy and have it work. 
or has declared bankruptcy numerous times and it did work? The latter would be Mr. Donald Trump, the serial bankrupt <laughs> ne'er-do-well. You declare bankruptcy, all your problems go away. In Monopoly, you go bankrupt, you lose. You don't go by Monopoly, man. That game is nuts. That one's not really a lie, I guess, but we just, I wanted to put in I declare bankruptcy because, again, this is sort of like also just a lineup of my favorite you know, comedy uh, shows. I, so You know, I need, I need to go back and watch Arrested again. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, you know, I'm going to say the Netflix um, seasons aren't kind of as resonant for me. But one thing mm. that we, my um, Brock, my producer, and I both wanted to do on this and couldn't quite find a way was to um, work in some of the Arrested Development Iraq plot quotes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm going to have to, we might have to do um, a foreign policy version of this quiz that's like all Arrested Iraq <laughs> versus Trump. So <laughs> I like it. It will be fun. And yeah, so go do your homework. Uh, Rick, as usual, a delight to talk to you. Um, the pleasure you, is entirely I, mine. I, I understand that you might have another book coming out. I do have another book coming out, and it's called Running Against the Devil, and it's going to be released on the 14th of January. And I understand the, the subtitle is something that we're probably going to have to fight about. Not really. It's <laughs> you know saving America from Trump and the Democrats from themselves. And it's, okay. Uh, and I, as, as I've told people, I, I'm not judging any policy or any questions of that. What I'm telling people in this book is I've been around this process a long time. I know all the tricks that the Republicans are going to do uh, and all of the things they're going to do to try to prevent, uh, uh, you know, try to prevent Trump from being removed from office one way or the other. And it's a roadmap and it's a guidebook to, you know, a lot of the hard earned knowledge that I've had over the years. You know, it's funny because, um, I do understand that you're basically writing about tactics and that um, we can disagree about policy and still say that somebody's tactics will work. But you have the weird superpower of making me a defender of Democrats, which I just, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm generally like kind of not a fan like of the party, I should say. Just policies, you know. They are not far left enough for me on policy, and then on know, on on, uh, on in terms of tactics, they're just entirely disappointing. So maybe we can actually agree on that. Oh, on the on the tactics, we absolutely agree because they just Democrats who get mad at me online and on Twitter, like, why are you criticizing our party? I'm like, because I want to save America from the worst president <laughs> in the possible history, and I would prefer you not make it easy for him. <laughs> Like we also we might agree disagree a little bit about some of the tactics, but I think we can agree on this one, which is like that that story from the Times about the muckety mucks doing hand wringing about the field. I think uh, was preposterous. Of like, course, and and uh, you know all campaigns take forever to build momentum and minutes to squander it. Mm -hmm. And the minute all the high and mighties get together and start things, saying things like, oh, Biden's messing this up or Elizabeth's blowing that or blah, 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 you know, whoever. And there's always somebody in the campaign who's pissing outside the tent. Mm -hmm. It's just an easy lift to check like what these people's motivations are. And so few reporters actually do it. Ah, yes. OK, that's something we could just completely agree on. And that's a good note to end on. Rick, <laughs> as usual, you, it had been delightful talking to you. Please. Likewise. Take care of yourself. Take care of your pets. 
I shall. um, I shall. Maybe, who knows what will have happened by the next time we talk. Maybe we'll be discussing the President Pence policies. Well, I don't think we're going to get there. Um, Because I think Donald Trump will walk in the room with a bomb vest on before he lets Mike Pence become president. (laughs) Well, then we'll be talking about President Pelosi. So, um, (laughs) and on that note, a wonderful place to say goodbye. Rick, thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much. And that is it for the show. A couple of requests. Uh, one, uh, you know, rate and review. Like I'm, I'm saying that again lately because the show is about to have its um, third anniversary. And I guess I've heard from people who pay attention to numbers that people seem to have kind of, you know, like the ratings and reviews are not rolling in like they used to. It's a naked plea um, for you to help me. Thank you. And then also I needed to say we're going to bring back the advice portion of this show. So if you have a problem that deals with the personal and political where those things overlap, could you please send a note to withfriendslikepod at gmail? Again, that's withfriendslikepod at gmail. If you want to make it an audio message, that's awesome. And we are working on getting a voicemail line soon i'll be able to give you a number to call and as i said at the top this episode has been an exercise in self-care for me so with as much passion as usual let me remind you to take care of yourself as well when it comes to buying your first home everyone has questions can we even afford to buy a house right now well i need to negotiate How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.